Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as uh, we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We, we've been working through this for um, quite some time. I have this as, as lesson number 196 in my notes. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of Wednesdays. And uh, we are pressing through the New Testament. Like I said, when we finish the New Testament, we'll, we'll dig right into the Old Testament and we'll keep going. I thought we'd be done with the New Testament in five years. It's probably going to be a little longer than five years because we still have a lot of the New Testament left. I have all of Revelation to go through, which is going to take like half a year. And then I still got the first and second Peter and, and, uh, and James, first, second, and third John and uh, Hebrews. So anyway, uh, it's not another week or two before we're done. It's a while yet, but it's good. And uh, we're studying it chapter by chapter to help keep it in context. Um, if, if you've been coming, you, you've heard me tell you why context is so important when you study the Scripture. Uh, if without context, it's very easy for us to um, try and make the Scripture say something it's not saying or to be persuaded by people um, who are teaching out of context that, that um, what they're saying is true when in fact it's not. And um, Paul's going to talk about that again today, how, how important it is that we can discern um, between the truth and what's being twisted away from the truth so that we can live the life we're called to. And um, that, that and we look at the scripture in context, we understand that it was written uh, um, into a situation um, that, that the early church was experiencing, that Paul was usually dealing with because the new church was, uh, you know, trying to figure out how things went and God was uh, using Paul to impart wisdom into that situation. And, and so we always hold the, the scripture in the context of, of who it was written to and the time it was written. At the same time, because it was written under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it applies to us today in context. So we, we just want to be careful of uh, and always digging into the scripture. It, that's why it needs to be an ongoing part of life. Um, be, because we, we, we'll, we'll continually learn from the word of God all of our lives. And, and uh, as, we, as we read it and are mindful of it, um, because it's alive and active, it will continually be speaking to us truth. And, and um, we will grow in it. And, and I think all of us, you know, hopefully can see over the, the course of our lives that, that we're growing in truth um, as we continue to press into the Lord. And that some of the things that we, um, that we believe now we are different not, not that the truth has changed, but our understanding of it has changed over the years. And, and that's because the Spirit of God is working on us. And He's helping us. And He's, he's, uh, he's changing us. And to me, see, that's what it's all about. And we'll talk about that today. As we read the Scripture, um, and as we spend time studying the Word, and you'll, you'll hear me, you've heard me talk about it, and you'll hear me talk about it some more today. Um, it's, it's not just to increase our knowledge. It's to impact the way that we live for Jesus. So that's the, otherwise, we're missing the point. Um, it's, it's not to study just so we get more and more knowledgeable. It's to, to continually press into the Word so we learn more about who God is so that it changes the way we live. So we're, we're supposed to be being changed and, and, um, by the Spirit in our lives, by His movement in our lives, and um, in accordance with the Word of God. And that's how all that ties together. So uh, as we continue on in this letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, we're, we're going to look at chapter 3 today. Remember, the church is being severely persecuted at this point in time in history. Um, that that um, Nero, who's the emperor of Rome, who's insane, 
um, by all accounts, historically, has, has burned down Rome, uh, and then um, the reaction to that wasn't very good, and so he's, and it was his, his doing, and so he's blamed the Christians for it, and, and now he's um, persecuting the church horrifically. Um, this is where the, the, all those stories you see historically of Christians being burned at the stake and given to the lions, all this is happening at this point in time. And, and uh, they're being murdered, they're being tortured, they're outcast socially, um, and this is part of what's happening as a direct result of what's happening. And that's the, the time that, that um, Paul is writing into. And he's writing to Timothy, who's his, uh, one of his young protégés, who's overseeing the church in, in Ephesus, and he's instructing him on what matters, and ultimately he's encouraging him to stay strong in times of persecution. And, and so it's a, it's a letter of encouragement as well as instruction um, that, that we're looking at now. Um, written by Paul, again, in prison, and this time chained, not in a great uh, situation, not that any time is good, but we don't believe any longer he's in that, that house arrest situation. Now he's actually um, imprisoned in a much worse situation. And he's pretty confident that he's right at the end of his journey as he writes to Timothy. And, and uh, this, this letter, the second letter, is the last of his letters that, that he wrote. We're going to do Titus yet, which he also wrote, but this one was written last. I just kept it in order and read it uh, with the Timothys together. So that's what's happening as um, we, we look at the scripture together. We're going to look at 2 Timothy 3 now, 17 verses. I'll be reading uh, out of the NIV. That's what's on the notes we passed out, but you can read along in your Bibles, whatever translation you have works. And, uh, and so let's begin at verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, I'm going to get that word right, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now that's not something you put on the recruiting poster. <laughs> While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worst, deceiving, worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, 
and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's dig in. I, I, I want to make two points tonight, really. Um, so, yeah, there'll probably be a lot of sub-points in those two points, but I, I want to look at the first five verses and then the last 11. And um, the first five verses, I, I think, start off with something interesting. He talks about the last days. And uh, that's always a thing people come up, the last days, you know. And, and, and just so we're clear, the last days began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and will continue until he returns. The church has always existed in the last days. That's the meaning of the term. These are the last days. We're in the last days now. We've always been in the last days. We're, we're living um, constantly awaiting the return of Jesus as the church has from its beginning. They were waiting for Jesus to return then. They thought he was coming any day. That's the tension we're supposed to live in. We're supposed to live like he's coming any day, and yet, at the same time, like he's not coming back for a while. That's the, the reality we're called to as believers. We live in the in-between times, the now and the not yet. The kingdom is here, but not fully here. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom. We're waiting for his return to consummate it, and we live in this in-between time. And this in-between time is really a time of mercy and grace that people can come to know Jesus. And we're to be good stewards of that time. Because we live in the last days, we're to be aware of the fact that, that we're in the last days and it's to shape the way that we live this thing, that we live it for Him and not just for ourselves. And, and so that's the tension, that's what's happening. And, and in that way of life, we'll, we'll see a lot of different things that, that take place and we need to be aware of. And, and so he goes on and... Uh, well, let me, and Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5. You can write this down and look at it later. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in the last days. We're in the in-between time. The enemy has been defeated at the cross and yet he still has his time to you know, do destruction until Jesus comes back. Um, this is the, the tension that we live in and that we see all around us. We still obviously see evil in the world. Um, we, today is a, a reminder of the evil, you know, taking place, uh, September 11th. We, uh, it, it's, it's everywhere. And, and yet the kingdom is here, but not fully here. And, and so we live in this tension of time. And because it's the last days, we're to be good stewards of the time and we're to live as wise not unwise, and we're to make the most of every opportunity. So it's supposed to impact the way that we live. That understanding that I just gave you should impact your life because it's, it, there's more to it than just existing. We're, we have purpose, we have mission, we have, we have uh, callings on our lives, and, and we need to make sure we don't get so bogged down in the, in the day-to-day that we miss the bigger picture. So we live in attention. We've got to deal with the day-to-day because we live in this world. But, but we're not of the world, but so there's a tension, see? And so, so we're constantly need to be moving in, in what that looks like in our lives. And, and then he goes on in verses 2 through 5, and he gives this fascinating description 
of what people look like that live in the last days and, and uh, see if you uh, see, see what you think about this description um, people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control brutal, not lovers of the good treacherous, treacherous I can't say that word right treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power. Well, that doesn't sound like our culture, does it? Or any of us? I was just thinking about it. How amazing is that? So, not, you know, under the anointing of the Spirit, written 2,000 years ago, about what it would look like. Of course, they were, he got it because they were in the last days. But if nothing's, I mean, what, what's changed, really? Um, lovers of self. We certainly are faced with a, an abundance of that in our culture. You know, the theme song, I did it my way. Um, you know, we, we, we are, are encouraged to um, live lives independent of everybody else and, you know, to, to make it happen and, and to be, become so inwardly focused that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And, and so, you know, we get consumed with us and what's happening with us rather than, than looking at outside of that process. Lovers of money. Uh, you know, in our culture today, uh, virtually uh, people uh, will sell um, our souls almost for it. The people will sell out their values, their priorities, their integrity. Um, in in the, the, those things are often for sale when it comes to money. It's just the way it works. Uh, you know, we have a we have a, a lack of ethics in our society. People will will. Um, you know, bend the truth to whatever fits them and accommodates them if they think that they're going to profit from it. And so um, it's a, it, but that's what it looks like in the last days. People are boastful, proud, abusive, treacherous. I can't say that word. Rash, conceited, disobedient to parents. Those are all byproducts, products of being consumed by self and money. That's what happens when those are your, when that's what's consuming you. Those are the things that happen. People become boastful and proud and, and abusive. They don't care about other people. They they use other people to to get whatever they need, whatever they think they need. Um, people are just in the way. They're stepping stones. They don't have value. They they don't have worth. Uh, we don't see them as, as God's creation. They're just, you know, either there as part of the machinery of our lives or part of the scenery of our lives. And, and because we're so self-focused, we miss these people as, um, you know, people that God loves who went to the cross for. Um, ungratefulness is a byproduct. Um, and, and, you know, it's so easy to get focused on what we don't have instead of being thankful for what God has been doing. That's why we're always here encouraging you, look, be thankful every day, at least five things. Think about things you're thankful for so you don't get focused on, on what you don't have. Um, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Again, it just those are things that, that just don't care about other people. Not lovers of the good. Um, in Isaiah 5.20, there's a verse about that, that, that and where, where a time would come when everything would get twisted around and good would be called evil, and evil would be called good. Isaiah 5.20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I just think it happens all the time. Things, things that um, um, are good are called evil in our culture, and things that are evil are now being promoted as good. And, and it's, it's rampant. Um, you know, straight out evil is being called okay. Oh, yeah. And so we, 
you know, we have all these things that pop up. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And see, this is where our adversary gets in the, in the midst and, and twists things, which he's so good at. You know, God created pleasure um, for us. He, he's, he's good that way. I mean, you know, God gave us senses, uh, the five senses, you know, and, and he did that for us. Because, um, you know, he could have made us without those things. Everything could have been in black and white, without smell, without taste, you know. Because, um, you know, you just need to fuel this machine. It doesn't need to taste good. You, there's a lot of things. But, um, and the colors of everything, that's pleasure. I mean, that's... So we can be in awe of his wonder. But he didn't have to do it that way. Um, but he, he wants us to enjoy life now and forever. It's just, that's full and abundant. See, he, he wants that. But our adversary always wants to twist it and to get it out of priority. And what happens is people begin to seek pleasure over seeking God. And that's the twist. And so they, they get consumed by trying to, um, to, to experience pleasure instead of allowing pleasure to come as a result of pursuing God. And, and so they, again, it's been twisted, and we see it, it's everywhere. And, and it, it, it shows up in so many different things that we, you know, we, we have to be aware of and, and look at and deal with. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Um, and, and this has been, you know, I think, a, the, the story of the church uh, too, too often where um, they, uh, the church becomes, or the established religious community of the day gets it's fixated on rules and traditions outwardly but they're not changed inwardly by the power of the Spirit. And, and they get stuck and, and they lose their impact in the world because they get stodgy and they get mean and they get critical and judgmental and, and all of a sudden they, they have no impact and they wonder why. And then they, you know, be, because of that mindset, they just blame the world. And, and it's, it's, but it's, it's us. We've, we've, we lose grace. We lose mercy in the concept of what it means to be forgiven. And we start thinking of ourselves as better than we should and of others as worse. And... And so we lose our impact. And, and it's all because we, we lose sense of the power of the Spirit of God to change and transform us and everybody else. And, and so there's a form of godliness, but a, a lack of power. And so, you know, we, we have to be those people who are aware um, that, that we live um, in the, the, the um, movement of the Spirit of God, who's all power, who's powerful and can change us. And that, that we should be being changed all the time by what the Spirit of God is doing in us. It should be constant. And, and I mean, constant to the point where you, you really should be able to look, I, I think, you know, six-month chunks or one-year chunks and see that, that the Spirit of God has been changing you um, because He's active and alive and He's doing those things. He's supposed to be doing that. So all those things are um, the, the hallmarks of living in the last days and they certainly every one of them is in place. Um, but, but, you know, not some people, you know, the, the last days have been going on for 2,000 years. So hold on to the tension. Jesus could come back any moment. He could come back right now. He could come back before I finish this study, which would be great. Or he might be another 1,000 years, I don't know, or 100 years or 50 years, and people point to these signs and those signs. The thing is, they can all change. You know, everything's lined up well out in the Middle East right now, but it could change tomorrow. So we don't know. But... Uh, you live like he's coming back any moment. And at the same time, you live like he's not. That, that he's going to allow us to continue to redeem the time that we have to live out our mission and purpose. And that's why he does it. It's because he's full of mercy and grace. But he's coming back. He's not done yet. So that's the tension we live in. Now, having said all that, those last verses um, that are there... 
Wow. Ultimately, you're talking about the importance of reading and studying the scriptures. Have you heard anybody talking about that much lately? And the truth of the world, of the word, can help us um, to, to live as wise, not as unwise. And so we're to read and study uh, the scripture in an attempt not only to acquire knowledge, as I said, but, but we're to read them and study them so that they impact our lives to live for God. And so we're, we're to read the scriptures, but we're also to be applying them into our lives. And there'll be false teachers, just like there were back then, who will try and be deceptive and, and lead us astray with their false teachings. That's why it's so important that we hang into the book and we keep reading it for ourselves. And we keep asking the Spirit of God to show us what it means. And we keep taking it in. And, and that's why I'm always encouraging you that it's, it's an everyday thing. And it's an always thing. Um, you'll, you're never going to be able to say, well, I've read that and now I'm done. I read it once. There we go. You sh- it's, that's not the case. You, you need to have read it once. But then you need to have read it twice. And thir- you know, 57 times and 96 times and whatever it is. You just keep reading it. Because he'll keep speaking to you. There's no other book like this book. I don't, I've, I've said this, I know, a lot of different ways, but there is no other book like this book because it's living and active. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a collection of stories or human ideas about what God is like. The, the, the scriptures in, in 2 Timothy 3 say that it's God-breathed, which means it's inspired by God. It's alive by the Spirit. Um, through the Spirit, God revealed His purpose and plans to certain people who recorded them for us. That's the process of inspiration. Second Peter 1, 20, 21, look at it later. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but man spoke from, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture was inspired by God through the Spirit. And certainly the guys wrote, wrote in the context of their own culture and their own personalities and their own um, historical context, but they wrote under the inspiration of God. And so they were writing what God inspired them to write. And so God's word is inspired by him. And it's our standard for living and for testing everything that goes on in life. It's, a, it's our safeguard against false teaching. It's a source for guidance on how we live. And so, so we should be reading it and applying it to our lives. And I I know I've been talking about that, but that's, again, that's why. That's why we we study it. That's why we look at it. That's that's why it's so important. And so I want to encourage you again, if you're not reading it, start somewhere. A little bit at a time, it will change your life. And and it will apply itself to you every day. Uh, You know, I read you a psalm today that was in my morning reading that that applied right to the day. Um, The Proverbs did the same thing today. The the, The Old Testament readings did the New Testament readings. They all just speak in. To your day. So I want to encourage you, um, exhort you, and, and uh, just tell you you'll be blessed as you, as you spend time in the book. It's a good thing. It's something that we, you, you should look forward to. And I'll be talking um, about why, not, not by, but this, this, uh, this weekend, about God's love for us and, and how that should impact us and what it'll do. But anyway, that's coming up this weekend. But that's good for now because I see that it's already out of time. So um, if you're watching by video or on television, thank you. Come and see us sometime. Website, keysvineyard.com. If you need prayer, go there. And uh, we'll see you soon.